Hey everyone, welcome to Embracing Change. We are delighted to be publishing again uh, episode one from season one, which was our conversation with Jack Porter Smith, a renowned worldwide expert on uh, PPC, Google AdWords. Uh, at the time, we caught Jack from his home in Scotland, his team is in Canada, and we talked about the challenges of running businesses during a global pandemic. Um, what is interesting is that some of the insights coming out of that conversation are still relevant to this day in 2021, even though we are at a totally different stage with the, with the global pandemic. Some of the key things that we learned during that conversation are still going to be relevant for you. And so that is the reason why we decided to publish season one, episode one again. I hope you enjoy it and that you learn something new. See you in our next episode. Start now. Hey, Jack, how are you? Thank you very much for, for uh, joining me. And uh, hey, everyone, thanks so much for joining this conversation with, uh, with Jack and myself. Um, the title of the conversation is called The Pivoting, Surviving and Thriving, an Open Conversation to Help Your Vit your business through the crisis of COVID-19. Um, really, this, this is a plane that we are uh, building as we are uh, flying it. Um, I was uh, thinking last week about what types of things I could be doing to help friends and family and, and, and clients on uh, these times of crisis. And I thought, well, I'm not a politician or a health expert, but uh, I have a, quite an interesting network of people that know a lot of, about business, that are business owners, that are pretty smart people. I know a thing of, uh, or two about marketing. Why not put together some conversations um, which are you know, intended to be very honest and very um, not salesy at all, uh, and trying to figure it out together with our collective power, uh, possibilities and solutions for uh, how to handle this crisis uh, as a business owner, right? So one of the first uh, uh, people that came to mind for me was uh, my friend and colleague, Jack. Uh, Jack Porter-Smith is a managing director of uh, uh, WSI uh, Paid Search, which is the arm in within WSI that does all of our media buying for uh, AdWords. Uh, but uh, also, I mean, he's a very experienced agency owner. He's been um, in Google's agency executive council since, uh, you know, since a few years. He's one of the top contributors uh, at, the, at Google uh, ads in the world. And he's just an awesome guy. So I just wanted to, to introduce Jack. Jack, how, how are you doing? Did I get an introduction about you? I'm, I'm, I'm uh, flattered. I appreciate it, mate. And, and yeah, I think it's very good to have this conversation just to share ideas. And I think like uh, Gerardo and I were posting yesterday, the funny thing is none of our insights make us very clever. Um, we just see a lot of things, right? We, we have hundreds of clients and we, we see thousands more. And uh, I love the building a plane as you're trying to fly it analogy. Uh, and, and so we have the benefit in real time of just seeing what's happening and 
yeah, I, I thought it was a really great idea from Gerardo to put this on and um, hopefully just share some insights and make everyone feel a bit better and uh, remove some of the doom and gloom, perhaps. Excellent, Jack. And where, where are you connecting from? Just, just let me know. Uh, well, if you want a little tour, <laughs> I don't know how the camera is going to work. So I'm in Scotland. I'm in my home office. Uh -huh. So it's my desk. That's my armchairs. And that's my birthday banner from last week that I haven't taken down yet. Ah, um, happy birthday. So, thank you. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm in Scotland for the foreseeable future. Um, uh -huh. And uh, yeah, wonders of internet. And, and your team? Tell us about your team. Your team is all over the world, right? Uh, well, they're almost entirely in Toronto, um, apart from one guy in England. But uh, obviously, they're all working from home now as well. So um, it's actually, weirdly, this has come at a pretty good time because uh, in the sense of everyone having to work from home, right? Um, because North America changed their clocks uh, a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And the UK doesn't change their clocks until this Sunday. Mm -hmm. So the last three weeks or so, we've only been four hours apart instead of the usual five, which weirdly has helped, right? Because mm -hmm. we're of together. Yeah. Of course, of course. And, you know, this is something interesting about this conversation because, um, I mean, you're based out of Scotland. Your team uh, is in Canada and other parts of the world. I'm based out of Atlanta, but part of my team is in you know, South Africa, Mexico, and different, you know, yeah. different, you know, different areas. And we are part of a network that um, it's all over the world. So we're getting input and insights from how people are handling this uh, in different places, right? So, so hopefully that's going to that's gonna bring some interesting, some interesting perspective into the conversation. So I would like to, to, you know, to start maybe telling people, what is it that you do, Jack? So we start getting into the context of the insights that we're going to be talking about? Yeah. Well, I suppose there's two levels to answer that. There's what I do personally, and there's what my company does with you mm -hmm. um, and your clients. Uh, so the company is, like Gerardo said, the digital marketing, but specifically pay-per-click uh, division of WSI. Um, so if there's you know campaigns or projects going through the network, we work... Uh, very closely with with people like Gerardo to deliver those campaigns and optimize them, report on them, make sure the client's getting good results. Uh, what I do evolves. And I think it's a very interesting topic for today, Gerardo, maybe. if It could be an enormous tangent very early. <laughs> uh, it's, it's passion, right? Uh, so I'm uh, 30 now. Um, I started digital marketing when I was uh, 15, almost 16, so coming up for 15 years, um, because I was thick in school. Right? I didn't have a good academic ability. I didn't go to college, university, or anything. Um, and anyway, so my first passion was PPC, just because that's uh, the first job I took was actually for a WSI franchisee who happened to be my dad. Mm -hmm. um, he knew that I wanted to be in the police, so I had to wait until I was 18. So I was just the most junior staff member in their company, uh, making cups of tea, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I got interested in it, and so it became a passion, and things that you're interested and passionate about, you get good at, and, and so I continued to get better at it, and that led to me starting this business seven years ago. 
But what I want to say is your passions are allowed to evolve, uh, whether by circumstance, natural evolution, a bit of both. Because what I do now more than anything else is public speaking and consulting. Um, those are passions that I have inadvertently developed. I don't consider myself a PPC expert anymore, which sounds weird, but I don't. Um, because I've chosen to channel that into presenting to, to as many people as I can, whether it's a webinar, in person, at a big event, and the, the consulting thereafter to really help people and make people feel better um, about their scenario. So let, let me interrupt you there, because I know that a big part of your, of your business is, is public speaking, which obviously has been heavily affected through, yeah. through this crisis, right? So mm -hmm. maybe that's our first... You know, maybe that you know that, you know, that that's our intro into the into the topic of pivoting, right? Yeah, 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 very much so. So, yeah. so, so tell us, how is that affecting you? Having a business that is based out of public speaking and event and events, and how are you adapting that into this? Yes, yeah, um, I have to talk about that. I'm, I'm a very open person, so are you. So uh, the only way we can even be valuable to people today is by not holding anything back. Sure. Uh, so the way we grow as a business is education. Um, we release books, we hold events, we give everything without asking for anything in return. But that in return does give. You know, it, it causes people to uh, recommend us, to leave online recommendations, to ask to work with us directly, having heard what we have to say. Uh, but to be very clear, we're not doing that today. There is no hook. No, no of course, of course. Um, so obviously, like you said, the coronavirus has wiped out our lead generation basically for the next probably rest of the year. We had three major events planned in April uh, in New York, uh, Philadelphia, and Toronto. We had over 700 people registered for them uh, to spend half a day with us. So um, the thing is, when something bad happens, you don't have time to feel sorry for yourself. I think especially if you have a team depending on you. You know, I have 14 full-time salaried staff in Toronto. That's not cheap. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, I've got to figure out a way to, to protect their livelihoods and therefore, like you said, pivot and continue to grow the business. And I think the most obvious natural thing to do is webinars. Um, so we actually have our first webinar online event tomorrow which okay. is a replacement for the three we lost in April in person. And um, I expect it to be very positive. Uh, we have about 175 people registered at this moment, um, largely some of them coming from the people who would have attended in person. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we cannot replicate the full experience. We're not even going to try to. So the full experience is usually three different presenters. It's a full morning, 9 a.m. till 12 p.m. We can't do that. Um, with the best will in the world. People just don't have the attention span to spend four hours on a webinar, I don't think. Um, so that's thing number one, is just switching physical events to online events and measuring and optimizing and improving as we go, just like any other marketing activity. Yeah. The other thing I would say is, and this might be a huge tangent, G, and tell me to, to sure. slow down, but I think it comes to reserves, a real question about reserves, because in this moment, people are wondering two things. Number one, what am I going to do? Number two, what's going to happen? Now, none of us know what's going to happen. I don't know. 
Um, you don't know. Mm -hmm. But we can control the first question, which is what am I going to do? If we have a good plan. And that planning for handling the crisis, depending how badly you are or are not impacted, is going to be dependent on one very important thing, and that is your cash reserves. Of course. Your business reserves. What have you built up? And I'll admit, like you said, we're building this plane as we're trying to fly it. And for the first week or so, like maybe 10 days ago, my thinking was all about, okay, if we as a business lose this much revenue because of the virus until it goes away, then how much of our reserves do we need to survive every month to mm -hmm. pay our staff, to pay our rent, all that stuff? And how long will that last, right? So five months, four months. If we don't earn any money, we can survive for five months. And initially, that was my line of thinking. That's what I communicated to the staff. I was saying, don't worry. Listen, we've got five months of reserves built up. And this thing will pass before then. We're okay. But the more it escalates, first thing I wonder is, will it be five months? I don't know. It could be two. could be 10. could be 24. And so I realized that's not going to work. <laughs> we can't just sit and spend our reserves to keep the lights on. So where my thinking pivoted to was, okay, if we have a pile of reserves, let's say we have 100% of reserves, how much of that do I want to protect and leave for keeping the lights on, on bad months and bad quarters? But how much of that am I going to take for blowing the light to pieces? In other words, being aggressive. Yeah, reinvesting, right? Reinvesting. Yeah. Um, and so that's... So it's not just the webinars is what I'm trying to say. With that other shift in mindset, you know, we're, we've um, initiated fully rebuilding our website. We have signed on with one of our partners in the WSI network for a very aggressive SEO plan, search engine optimization. Mm -hmm. um, we're accelerating the release of our second book. Um, and just an awful, uh, we're launching a PPC campaign for our own business, sure. <laughs> uh, which we've never had to do because... So you know, so, 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 you know, so you're, you're reinvesting in, 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 in your business, we, you know, which to me, it's kind of like the struggle that we're having to, to think through, right? Uh, we don't, you know, and, and, and I like to think I'm not a, a fan of Donald Rumsfeld. Uh, you know, you'll remember him from, you know, from years ago, but yeah. he did have uh, a model that he talked about uh, for thinking through challenging times that yeah. I thought was really, really valuable. Um, and uh, you know that I'm about to do with um, you know when when we go through challenging times, uh, there are known knowns, right? Unknown mm -hmm. yeah. knowns, yeah. Right. Known unknowns, yeah. And then what you don't know, unknowns, unknowns, right? Which is you know when 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 you're in wartime, that's when you start doing scenarios. Right? Yeah. What happens if this yeah. blows up? Right? And, and 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 we're in that in that in that quadrant, right? Right now, which is we don't know exactly how this is gonna pan out. And that's why we have to think through different scenarios of how we would behave if 50% of the man drops, right? If this yeah. lasts not three months but 12 months. If this right. So I think you know what is in your control is to figure out scenarios and see how. Yeah figured out how you will react to those scenarios, right? And I, and I think that's a useful, a useful exercise for all of us to think through right now. 
Um, but also, I think, you know, to your point, you know, there is, there is something about the phases that we're going to go through, right? So I was doing some thinking this morning and, and, you know, I think we're right now, I think there's four phases to, you know, to this, you know, the first phase is awaiting major impact, right? Which is, yeah. we are exactly there. We, we don't know um, what's going to happen. And, you know, the, the things that are in our minds right now have to do with uh, customer, customer loyalty right now, what our competitors are doing, how long this will last, what if demand declines, an X percent. Those yeah. are the thoughts that we have right now. Phase yeah. two to me has to do with, with, with standing the initial impact. Yeah. Right. Right. So, yeah. so, um, okay. Now we know uh, what the impact looks like. What are we going to do to withstand it? Can we, can we last with our reserves? Are we going to invest aggressively to try to reposition ourselves? Right. Yeah. Um, some businesses might benefit in the fact that advertising rates are plummeting. Right. So some, some businesses might be able to invest now and get yeah. into, into brand building when, when they couldn't do before. Uh, phase three has to do with when we return to normalcy, right? So yeah. when we start to get out of this, um, how aggressively competitors will try to seize market share, right? Uh, who's going to stay, you know, uh, stay standing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, how speedy is recovery going to look like? And phase four, to me, has to do with sorting out the new dynamics, right? Um, do customer segments need to be rethought? Do customer buying behaviors uh, and preferences have changed? Uh, has virtual service changed the marketplace? To me, those, those are different questions that are going to be affecting yeah. us as we go through this, right? Mm -hmm. So do you have right now thinking about your clients, right? I want to pivot to, to your experience you know, yeah, with, with your, your clients. Client. Are you seeing any... any behaviors any insights that are worth sharing with the with our audience today you know some people that are fighting mm -hmm. for survival versus others that are might maybe investing aggressively to to reposition yeah uh i think the 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 most important thing is as well that i think is informing their decision making is what the governments are doing right and like you said neither of us are politicians we watch the news like anyone else so during this crash of, of whatever you want to call it, negativity, getting sucker punched every day by something else hurting you, the, the, the problem growing, there's stressors, right? And so when that crisis happens, mm -hmm. your income always drops faster than your expenditure, right? So that's what businesses are worried about. Whether you are a solopreneur gardener, a uh, dental practitioner, whatever it is, uh, big or small, that's happening to you right now. Unless you are in a very, very uh, minority niche that is benefiting from this, uh, your, your income is dropping faster than your expenses. So everything that's going through your head is managing your cash flow. And that's, that, like you said, that's the understandable first step. I think obviously government stepping in to pay or ensure the salaries of your staff is one huge relief. Right? It allows you to stop stressing, okay, how am I going to feed my staff's families? And lets you begin to think about what's maybe the better thing to do instead of the immediately obvious and easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with our clients, for sure. I mean, there are some of them, there's just no avoiding it. They, they, you know, they've had to just stop doing what they're doing. 
stop their advertising, stop basically spending money that they don't absolutely have to spend because they've basically been shut down. They're a restaurant, they're a cafe, they're a music event, that kind of thing. Um, but what I found interesting is a lot of our clients do more than one thing. So I'll just use one example. One of them is a, a US National Pancreatic Cancer Society. Um, and they do lots and lots of stuff. You know, they have um, general online donations. They have people signing up to be volunteers. Uh, they do sponsored walks and marathons to raise money with teams of participants. So they have lots of, if you will, income streams, right? Mm -hmm. And clearly their walks, the marathons are off, right? Yeah. And they as a business spend 10,000 per event on advertising it because they get far more than that back in registration fees and donations raised by the, the participants. So with them, they've obviously had to stop that, but the opportunity is now moving towards the online donations, right? And mm -hmm. really focusing on, um, uh, you know, tapping into that goodwill online because that charity still needs income. So they as a unit haven't decreased anything. They're just moving it to another place. For those uh, not in such a fortunate position where they can straddle two, three different divisions or income sources and just move things around, for those, yeah, it's a complete shutdown. But I don't think that means stopping doing things altogether. Um, every business has things that need things taken care of that you're always too busy to take care of, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, whether that's refreshing your site, uh, fixing system issues, um, addressing HR problems, you know, whatever it might be to be stronger when this thing is over. Because believe me, when this thing is over, you are going to have to be stronger, fitter, uh, more interesting, and overall a better brand. Because I think you kind of touched on it, G. People, you cannot assume your customers or clients are going to come back. They might say so. They might say, hey, whatever it is you do, again, whether you're a dental practitioner, a landscaper, uh, a B2B finance provider, a software, but whatever you are, you cannot assume even half of your clients are going to come back because A, your competition is going to be pushing just as hard as you, if not harder than you, because they've used this time to plan and become better and stronger, more interesting, right? Yep. So if they're chasing your customers harder and you weren't prepared and you were caught sleeping and you just assume everyone's going to come back to you, that's not going to happen. The second thing B is your customers may have been hit, right? There's such a chain reaction happening here that even if you think the crisis is over, the, the president says we can leave our homes again. We're allowed to fly on airplanes again. Stock markets get back to normal. That doesn't mean your customers even could buy from you again if you wanted if they wanted to right yeah and 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 you know to that point i think there's there's even even a, some scenarios that we cannot foresee right now which is a changes in customer behaviors right yeah some people after this might have tasted the benefits of doing things virtually yeah the way that they haven't for example education right yeah Absolutely. I see, you know, my, my kids, I have three kids and all of them are continuing their, you know, I have two high schoolers and one elementary mm -hmm. uh, uh, school, uh, schooler and they're continuing their education. And in the past, you know, we, I would have never thought about homeschooling 
right? And it's not that it's I'm considering it, but I'm sure a lot of people now that are going through this phase are realizing that actually you can do a lot of those things from home, right? Yeah. So that's a small, uh, a small or that you just don't need, or, or that you just don't need that thing at all, or that you, oh, and you know, and it might be, for example, you were talking about your own business, right? You were talking yeah. about running these huge. I know you run huge events in in New York, Philadelphia. You came here to Atlanta. You know, you go all over the world, and and by the way, they're great. But you might realize through this exercise that you yeah. have a better return on investment on, on webinars. Yeah. That might totally change your business model. And then because of that, I'm buying less air tickets. I'm not paying exactly. for the hotels. I'm not paying the catering staff. So yeah, it's... Exactly. So, so, yeah. so, so I guess what, where I'm trying to get here is not only um, we have to be aware of how we're going to get back to business and when we're going to get back to business. But I think we also need to be aware of how business is going to change and mm -hmm. how our business model might change. Right. Yeah. And maybe if we're not changing our business model, maybe our competitors are changing their business model to a model that it's more efficient or that it's better suited to how people want to buy from, you know, from us right now. So yeah. I think there's, you know, there's so many things happening at the same time on top of just trying to, survive this you know this yeah. this phase but what i do know is that i think you know there's never been more evident that there is a need to have some sort of virtual model mm. right uh, regardless of what business you are of course if you're an events company and you run outdoor events like marathons you know that that's not replaceable right if you are yeah. a plumbing company and you know there's still going to be a, a, a block toilets exactly <laughs> block toilets that need to be you know <laughs> to be fixed right but i think for many businesses these might, you know these might represent a huge change in terms of how we all as consumers want to interact with the business and how businesses actually deliver the services so um i don't know i think that's I don't know if that's a question or just, or just well, a it triggered a thought it triggered a thought and it's the speed Right. I mean, I, I think everyone may understand on some level or begin to see on some level that their offering is going to have to change. Like the world will be irreversibly changed after this mm -hmm. and in many positive ways. It doesn't mean it's not terrible, but it will be changed irreversibly. Uh, and, and that, like you said, is going to be mostly consumer habits, which are habits. And they're very hard to break unless something major happens like this. Mm -hmm. And so I think more so than just being aware that you might have to pivot, for example, on a very rudimentary level, how many restaurants and cafes do you see now doing takeout that never did it before? Because they were complacent. They got fat. They said, no, people come to us. We don't need to come to them. Mm -hmm. That needs to change. Like that's going to change. Yep. They cannot, now that they've done that, they can't stop doing it when the virus goes away. Yep. People are used to it. They want it. Even on a higher level, I don't know about in the States, um, in, in the UK right now, you know, some of our biggest retailers like Morrison's is one of the big uh, supermarkets. Uh, they have hired three and a half thousand uh, delivery drivers this week. Yeah. <laughs> three and a half. Wow. That might not sound like a lot in the UK. That's huge. It's huge. It's a lot, um, of course. And so I suppose what I'm getting at is it's the speed to the new circumstances, right? First one there wins or earlier ones there win. Yeah. Um, because, you know, let's say now one of the other big chains here, Asda, which is actually owned by Walmart, let's say Asda 
tries to get on the delivery bandwagon, but Morrison's have beaten them to the punch. Now everyone's going to do their online shopping with Morrison's because Asda didn't have any delivery slots available last week. Mm -hmm. So I think it's the speed. And, and that's why we don't have time to lick our wounds and feel sorry for ourselves, G. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, if, if, if you can figure out a way to sort out your, you know, your, through, you know, through reserves or through your current income, you know, how, you know, how to hold on the fort, really, yeah. you, know, the, you know, the focus should be right now on, on, a, on the future when everything comes back to normal. Because this is the other thing. If your business is based on lead generation, you cannot start lead generation when things come back to normal. Yeah, exactly. Because it's going to take you three, four, five months to run that cycle. Exactly. Yeah, you know, you have to you have to start right now. Um, so, are there any practices that we can think of that could be useful for um, for different verticals that they can? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, the best because I'm getting asked this quite a lot, or it's coming up in conversation quite a lot, like what businesses are in trouble, what businesses are somewhere in the middle, and what businesses could be thriving right now. Yeah. And um, I don't, you know, we could be here all day trying to list every single one. We could come up with some examples for sure, you know. But Google Trends, I think, is the best possible tool for anyone to use right now if they're curious as to what's going to happen in their industry or the industry of their customers or clients. Okay. So, trend, so trends.google.com, right? So you put in uh, whatever keyword or industry or phrase that you want. You select your geography, so USA, UK, Canada, whatever. You can do it by city. Yeah, whatever. Business, yeah. Really manipulate it however you wish, right? And it will show you an index of interest or demand for that thing in that place. Mm -hmm. And not only now, but backdated five years if you want right so you know just as a, a fun example i actually did it for digital marketing agency last week mm -hmm. and now is an all-time high wow look if you do it right now look back five years yeah it's even in the middle of this it's an all-time high and maybe you know maybe maybe all of those businesses that thought they did not need any any, yeah. any digital marketing but now realize that since they cannot do Probably, traditional yeah. marketing yeah, yeah absolutely you know uh people doing trade shows that you know the trade shows cancel so they're going to put that budget into online to still get more leads whatever it is right yeah. um so it's, it's a fun exercise and i think you probably know where your business sits but it might also help your perspective because as just because we're on that example I guarantee you, I mean, there's millions and millions of digital marketing businesses on the planet. I guarantee you 80% of them are bleeding right now, right? They're losing clients. doesn't mean they're losing money, like, you know, not profitable, but they're definitely losing clients. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of them might be panicking or worried or stressed. And even just checking your own industry on Google Trends to see, well, am I right? Like, should I be stressed? And you look at that and think, well, if demand is at all-time high, why am I stressed? Yeah. So you can look at it for yourself or you can look at it for your customers, right? What industry are they in? How are they going to be impacted and move further down the chain to figure out where you sit and what your play is, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, if demand is at an all-time low, 
severely hit by this for, for your customers and their business, then you know they're not going to be able to do business with you on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you cut them loose. It just means you focus your uh, additional acquisition efforts elsewhere. So, um, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, I, 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 I think that also, you know, just thinking about survival and pivot, right? Yeah. Um, I think an element of pivot has to do also with, the, with timing, right? Uh, thinking, you know, try, try, try to time it at the right time, thinking, okay, if I start pivoting right now to a different business model, yeah. let alone, you know, you know, digital or non-digital, but just a different business model to continue providing my services, how long is it going to take me to, you know, to gain the competencies, to actually, you know, set it up, um, et cetera, mm-hmm. right? Um, what is, you know, that, that's a tough question, you know, how to pivot and when to pivot and, and, and how long it's going to take me. I, th- I, th- I think how I started this conversation, which is we're building the plane as we're flying it. Yeah. It's going to, you know, it's going to be part of our experience as we go through collectively, right? You know what, though? The best advantage we all have right now is the biggest get out of jail free card for messing up. Right? Yes. Like if we try something new, you know, for me tomorrow doing a webinar, if I mess it up, the world isn't going to criticize me or judge me as it once would have. Yeah. If a restaurant pivots to doing takeaway instead of just sit in, if they mess up an order or they take too long to deliver it, there will be understanding. There's never been a time of more understanding and goodwill in the world, even everything that's happening. Yeah. So from my perspective, now is the time to try it. And I think try is the key word. You know, I think when you talk about a pivot to either survive or thrive, right? Your current business is taking a hammering or just bleeding gently. You've got to do something. If that happens, you don't have to go all in on the pivot. It can be a test, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And if you test it in such a fashion that it's not going to alienate your existing custom customers, you're not spending all your reserves on that one test. You're not pinning all your hopes on that one test. I think it gives you the mental freedom to do better without that pressure, right? So mm-hmm. obviously there are some things logistically that take longer um, to implement or find the money for, or get whatever help you need. I get that. Um, but look at you, right? Even just take you as a consultant. You do a lot of networking. You attend a lot of events. You shake a lot of hands. Mm-hmm. And that's just who you are and what you like doing. So. Yep. You know, within a couple of weeks of it really getting serious in North America, you're doing this, right? But yep. let's also be frank. This is low risk to you, right? You, you know, you're doing this to stay connected with your friends, with your network, to serve your existing clients in a different way, to provide them knowledge since you can't meet them in person. Yep. You've pivoted. You're doing it right now, but it's low risk, right? And there's almost no opportunity for it to backfire. You haven't really spent any money on it, but you're still providing a new kind of value to your audience. Yeah, that, that's, that's really true. And I, I, I'm just going to say something additional to that. In my case, and I, th- and I think this is going to be, you know, a, relevant to many types of businesses. I'm also being, you know, doing it because I, I really believe in purpose, mm-hmm. right? And to me, I ha- there's a purpose behind this. I'm not trying to make money out of this or, or, or get more clients out of this conversation. I really want to 
figure out how I can use my gifts and my talent to try to help some, you know, you know, some yeah. people, right? And, and the only way I can do that is by sharing my knowledge and trying to bring in people that I respect uh, with their experience we have a conversation, so maybe through shared knowledge we can you know we can help somebody out, right? And and if and if we achieve that, then I will feel uh, very satisfied, right? So, so I think the concept of purpose behind businesses is, is probably is going to be very relevant. I think if you think about brands, what can brands do right now to their loyal customers? Be yeah. helpful, you know, be yeah. helpful, be there it's, for them, not sell more exactly. to them, but just just try to provide some support. Yeah. This is the time when. Uh, people remember how you acted uh, during the crisis. Did you freak out? Did you go too aggressive? Uh, did you ignore your existing clients and just focus on replacing your leaks? Um, whatever business you're in. And I feel like there's absolutely nothing wrong with acknowledging the fact that X percent of my customer base has dropped mm -hmm. because of it, unavoidably. Therefore, I need to replace that with something and focus on acquisition but obviously the core business must stay focused on serving those who have trusted you um, sure. and so with my business I am quite literally the only one out of 15 in Toronto doing this stuff mm -hmm. the other 14 are tasked with staying with looking after our existing clients helping them through the tough times making adjustments getting on the phone with them uh, pulling back their spend if that's what they need to do uh, and answering questions and guiding them through the stressful time, right? So, I, and, and, and how you act then with those existing fans, audiences, followers, customers, clients, whatever you want to call them, that will have a very long-term impact. And like you said, you're not trying to monetize this moment or this video or this session, but purely as any professional by doing the right thing and helping instead of grabbing um, long-term will, will be beneficial. Um, so it's a very interesting point and I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, um, if people, uh, you know, we have six people connected. If, if anybody has any questions, uh, just, just send them over. I'll, you know, we can, you know, we, we, we can answer them on, on, on the call. Um, so, you know, given, given your specific expertise, right, which is PPC, let's talk about PPC. You're going to make me talk about PPC now, aren't you? <laughs> well, I just want to talk, you know, if, if somebody who's going to be listening, who's listening yeah. to this call right now, live, or is going to listen to the recording, right, yeah. is thinking about PPC as an option to pivot, right? I've never done a PPC and maybe I should start, right? In, are there any opportunities that you're seeing right now on, yeah. on PPC that people should be thinking of? Which, you know, which clients are investing more? Which verticals are uh, benefiting more? So, uh, first of all, yes, uh, an enormous amount of, of spend is dropping off of online advertising right now. Mm -hmm. uh, in general, it's a 300 billion a year thing. Um, I'm not an economist. I don't know how far that will drop, but I know it's a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so the first obvious fact there is if you are in a position to get involved, it's less competitive right now. Okay. Uh, that means the price of your traffic, uh, the 
frequency that you can get involved and you know um, be where you want to be. That does come, however, with some evolving restrictions. So um, I had two requests yesterday from commercial cleaning companies for proposals, right? Uh, so they're both, you know, disinfectant commercial cleaning, uh, factories, uh, restaurants, places that need to really step up hotels. I'm assuming that's a vertical that is growing commercially. Yeah. So it's a very obvious <laughs> thing, right? um, yeah. but you cannot. So Google and Facebook have been very quick to come down on uh, any reference to what's going on. So you, in your, in your campaign, obviously the perfect, the, the perfect scenario, if you're a disinfectant cleaning company for restaurants and hotels and so forth, the perfect scenario would be, Hey, we're COVID equipped, right? We're ready to do COVID cleaning, you know, COVID prepared safety measures, extra cleaning, etc. Mm -hmm. But you can't, you can't say that you can't bid on COVID keywords. You can't have COVID or coronavirus in your, in your ad creative. And you certainly cannot have it on your landing page. Um, oh, really? Yeah, they'll disapprove your campaigns. Okay. So, and why is that? Um, whenever something is a hot topic, until they figure out how to deal with it, they ban it. Okay. Um, same thing with cannabis. You know, they're still trying to figure out what to do with cannabis because it's being legalized all over the place. Uh, legitimate businesses are trying to advertise and they're having difficulties, right? So, okay. They, they basically run from it until they can figure out how to deal with it. Um, so, that's something you need to be aware of. Uh, but yeah, I think competition is for the most part going to be lower apart from completely booming industries. Um, I think if you're, let's think about people already advertising as well for a second. If you're already advertising, how can you deal with it? The small things, subtle things you can do to increase trust, uh, calm people down, whatever it is that will help you get better results. So, um, as an example, uh, plumbing clients, plumbing businesses. Like you said earlier, that's something that people still need, right? I don't care what the government says. If a pipe has blown up or a house is flooding or a toilet's blocked, it's going to get fixed, right? Yep. So they'll be classed as an essential worker. They can still go do their business. Um, so for them, you know, they, they have to be clever in their creative, right? They can't say COVID prepared anymore. We tried to. Mm -hmm. um, they can't say it anymore. So for those people, maybe it's just a case of saying extra precautions taken, you know, um, or safe work environment guaranteed, you know, something along those lines in your ad creative to assure people that if they pick you, you're aware of the situation and will be sensitive to, to protecting their health. So um, another one is e-commerce example. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have an e-commerce client who sells, I mean, they're a household brand. Um, they sell high-end luxury clothing and soft furnishings for households. They have 10 physical stores in um, the city that they're in and an online store, obviously. Mm -hmm. physical stores, 10 physical stores have been shut. So obviously the, the budget and focus has rerouted entirely to e-commerce uh, to make up for the lost retail physical. And... Um, so in the ad creative there, we're having to assure people about shipping and the handling of the goods. Of course. In, in, uh, but again, we can't address it directly. So it's simple things like shipping still one day, right? The still yeah. is the one there. That gives it away that you're addressing it without addressing it. Yeah. Okay. 
super interesting, you know, very, you know, very, you know, it's, it's a, you, you still have to really adapt creatively on, on how to take advantage of this, of this opportunity, if you can, right, if you have a business that can take advantage of, the, of this opportunity. Listen, I have a question from Lori um, okay. from Octria, right? Um, I'm going to read it out, right? So mm -hmm. we are an SAS, SAAS that is used by charities to run live, silent, and online auction fundraisers. Yeah. Online is already a core feature for us, and we are helping groups pivot from in-person to online. Many are reluctant to ask people for money with so many people losing jobs or feeling job insecurity. How do we help groups message that or expand their messaging as not-for-profits? Um, I, think, I think the not-for-profit angle should always feel less worried about that kind of perception because you're not doing it out of greed. <laughs> you're doing it to feed starving kids or uh, rescue people from terrible situations or develop treatments to whatever it is that you do. Um, so I think, first of all, just don't worry about it. I, I, I wouldn't, I mean, if anything, people need generosity more than ever. In the UK last night, the government said the NHS needs 250,000 volunteers to help at the hospitals, distribution centers. It was full within an hour. Mm -hmm. If anything, times of crisis is when people want to do their bit. It's when they want to help and be even more generous if they can. Clearly, if they, if they have had their income decimated and they have nothing to give, then they have nothing to give. But they could still share your thing on social media. They could still email their friends and say, hey, could you help? So that's my perspective. I think yeah. quite the no, I agree. I agree with you. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I think, Laurie, that, uh, you know, the fact that we're all in this together, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty obvious and important, right? And, and, and I think when, when we are authentic and honest about the situation, you know, the messaging, uh, it's fine, right? So we can still ask for people's donations, I think, recognizing that you might not be able to give a donation, right? And then probably giving something back, right? So maybe at the reach out is, uh, you know, us like everyone else is struggling, you know, we, you know, we, need, you know we, we still need your donations. And by the way, if you're struggling, this is how we can help you, right? Uh, of course, you can't, you can't, but th those are the resources we can provide back. So I think, I think we're all in this together and we're all trying to help each other out. So I don't think that's, that's, you know, that's something that uh, should be badly, bad, you know, badly received by, you know, by anyone. Um, it's just going to be a, 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 personal, a personal situation. I have another question here mm -hmm. from Dan. Uh, we have an e-commerce business and we are seeing a growth on demand. Yep. However, my supply chain is struggling and we're not being able to fulfill on many of the orders we're getting. Yep. Any advice you could give for business in this situation? That's like the uh, storm, right? Yeah, yeah. it's, it's um, very, very uh, real. Um, I even have a framer here in Scotland. You can't get the frames because they're from Italy. So, I mean, the supply chain is a huge problem. Mm -hmm. um, realistically, it depends on the expectations of your clients. I think it was Ben um, uh, or customers. From my perspective, you don't want to uh, continue spending advertising dollars if you cannot fulfill the orders within a reasonable turnaround time. Um, and it's going to be very unfortunate, but realistically, 
uh, you'll you'll have a certain CPA, right? Your cost per acquisition will be pretty similar every month. Right now, you're probably seeing that decrease because of increased demand and need. So it looks good. However, if you soon cannot fulfill, then that CPA is going to go through the roof and you're going to alienate these customers from ever coming back. So I think you have to, to evaluate your supply chain. And if it's just a case of saying, hey, instead of two-day shipping, it's four-day shipping, I think people can live with that. If it's instead of two-day shipping, it might be four weeks, less so. At the very least, you're going to have to be open about that. And if people still choose to buy, they still choose to buy. Uh, if not, I think you're just going to have to spend time building your lists uh, for once you yeah. have the back in stock. Yeah, de-escalating, de-escalating on investment probably. So, so maybe so you're not putting so much pressure on your supply chain. So maybe this is the opposite case where, you know, you can pivot, but maybe you want to de-escalate because you don't yeah. want as many as many customers right now sure. if you cannot deliver because then you're going to get the opposite effect, which is unhappy customers. Now, the other thing you might do, if you have a limited inventory of this thing, uh, is reduce the quantity, limit it per purchase per customer because the most valuable thing to an e-commerce business is returning customers, right? Your, I guarantee you, your return on investment from email marketing is higher than anything else you do. Um, and that's because you have a list of existing or past customers, as long as it's something people buy more than once. Um, so if you have a limited stock of this thing, it's far better that you limit the quantity. So don't let one person buy 10, let them buy two. And this way you get five customers for every 10 units sold instead of one, for example, mm -hmm. which builds your list for the future so that when you do have more stock, you can uh, succeed. succeed. Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good point. And you know, I'm gonna give uh, an example, which might not be totally relevant uh, uh, to this, but I think it's related to, to uh, supply chain. Uh, and it's an interesting insight. Um, you know, I go out like everyone else just to buy uh, supplies and come back home. And uh, normally what, uh, you know, where I do my, my normal shopping is at Costco or at the Publix, which is five minutes away from home, right? Um, but if you try to buy, let's say, chicken, right? You cannot find it in Costco or at Publix because people are buying and you're stocking up and you're just out. However, uh, during the weekend, I decided to stop by a local butcher, right? And the local butcher was full of stock of chicken. And I was asking him, you know, what's, what's going on? Why, why is it that you have it and no, no one else has it? And, and he said, well, basically, my supply chain is the people that supplies the restaurants. But because people are not visiting the restaurants as, as much, my supply chain has overstock mm -hmm. of all of these products that are selling to me at a lower price because they have to get rid of it. So he's always full of stock, right? So to me, that was a very interesting insight of maybe if you're having issues on supply chain, and I don't know if there's anything parallel example for whatever this e-commerce business is in, but maybe there are alternative supply chains that today distribute to a different type of vertical but that, that they, but that they still have the product that you that that you offer, that have a surplus, like in the case that I just uh, like like in the example that I just gave, that maybe you can tap into that 
right? So I think this is all part of building building the plane as we're flying it. You know, it's probably yeah. you're re-examining not only who we sell to, our buyer personas, our, our, our segments, but also maybe our, our, our supply chains as well to try to, to find alternative options. The other thing is, well, that's true even if it costs you more money, right? So yeah. obviously your supply chain is your supply chain because it's profitable and serves all your other needs. Yeah. But if you can find another supplier, even if they cost significantly more, it could be worth it uh, on balance because, like I said, it gives you business. It gives you business. So the immediate yeah. need, get the revenue, and get the profitability later by uh, having that customer come back three times a year. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Let's take one more question and then we'll wrap it up. Um, Oh, is it time already? Can't believe that. It, we're, we're almost done. We've been here for 50, 50 minutes. We thought this was going to be a 20-minute talk. So it's been, it's been very entertaining. So I have Fred. Uh, and his question is, our business is commercial insurance. And we have always promoted with traditional marketing methods, networking, telemarketing, etc. <clears throat> we have never done any digital marketing. What would be the single most effective way to start? That's... That, you know, let, 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 let me just have a first stab at that one. I think if you've never done digital marketing <clears throat> and your business is, if I'm assuming you're commercial insurance, you're, you're really trying to reach out to people. Maybe LinkedIn is a, is a, especially because it's commercial insurance, I'm thinking reaching out to your target audience through, the, through LinkedIn and the sales navigator uh, capabilities might be a, a way to start because it's closer to what you're currently doing, but it's more personal in a sense and still it's taking advantage of all of those abilities for segmenting and reaching out to people i don't know what do you think jack i think it depends on your need for speed um i think whenever you're developing your online marketing strategy you've got two doors to think about right door number one is serving demand Door number over here, two over here is creating demand. Mm -hmm. um, so for example, serving demand would be if somebody searches for commercial insurance broker Atlanta, as an example. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's searching for that keyword on Google search or Bing search, whatever, um, they're clearly expressing a need for what you have. And all you have to do is come up at the right time with the right creative, the right landing page and close the deal, right? So if your need for speed is urgent, to pivot to that, basically, then absolutely door number one is what you need to do, search campaigns, right? Mm -hmm. However, if you have the luxury of some time padding, thinking, I just want to build a foundation, kind of like we are talking about earlier, pivoting, uh, and start planting the seeds of an online brand awareness and reputation, then like Gerardo said, it's more creating demand activities and strategies, such as social display, like LinkedIn, where you've got great B2B audiences, um, social display on other social networks that might be relevant, um, display advertising, video advertising, um, mm -hmm. all these things. So I think where you start is dependent on how quickly you how need quick, to How quickly you need to go. But of course, the counter to that, counter to that is with door number one, it's typically more expensive, right? I mean, you get the need to speed, you get the instant, you know, higher quality of leads, but you'll pay a premium. So there's, there's always the balance. Of course. Priorities. Of course. We have, we have one, uh, one question from, from Vilma, uh, who's a dear friend of mine and who's a fan of yours, Jack. He attended your event here in Atlanta. Oh, really? <laughs> good to so meet you again. <laughs> so so the, her question is, is it a good time to invest on PPC? 
Uh, I can't answer that. I think if- It depends if, on her industry, right? It depends on a million different things. Yeah. Um, what I will say is, the interesting thing for me, let's think about search PPC. Whether it's good time or not is dependent on the demand. Yeah. Right? Which goes back to Google Trends that I was talking about earlier. You know, if the demand is going down like this, no, it's probably not a great idea for that keyword or that industry or that vertical. But obviously, if it's staying steady or if it's going up, then you could argue it is. Um, so I think it's just so dependent on that. It's also dependent on your business's financial health, right? Like if you don't have good reserves uh, or investment sources, um, maybe not. But if you do, then sure. So I just think, listen, PPC is still working. Don't get me wrong. 85% of our clients are still going right now. Many of them are increasing their budgets and investments, and many of them are still getting fantastic results. The impact I'm talking about is actually a severe minority, 15% right now. Mm -hmm. So if you were to look at it objectively and statistically, yes. But of course, there's so many dependencies. Of course, of course. <clears throat> well, this I, I, I'd like to you know, just wrap up and say thank you, Jack, for uh, accepting to have this conversation with me. I hope this was helpful for people uh, listening to the conversation live. Um, we're really just trying to work together uh, with you, uh, with the people we know, to figure out ideas, advice, become trusted advisors, um, and do what we can do from our own little turf to, you know, to help everyone else uh, who's in need right now. So if you need some PPC advertising and want to get in touch with, um, with Jack, Jack, how do they get in touch with you? <laughs> I didn't think just, you were going to say that. <laughs> just, just a quick plug-in. Uh, uh, thank you. Uh, Jack at wsidepaidsearch.com. Jack at wsidepaidsearch.com. Um, if you need any, any type of uh, consulting uh, on, on marketing, you can get the, uh, in touch with me, uh, gkerik at wsidigitalboost.com. Um, I'm offering 15-minute brainstorms to people. If, if, if you just want to brainstorm with someone else, uh, ideas on, on your own business and how to go through this crisis, I'm very happy to just spend some time with you and, and, and uh, provide a hand. Just uh, get in touch with me and I'll be, I'll be able to, to, to fit you in, uh, into the schedule. Anyway, thank you so much for everyone uh, listening live. We're going to be uh, we're recording this webinar we're going to be putting it on, on, on podcast and on, on, on our landing page and we'll be letting people know. So if you, want, if you think of anybody that would benefit from, from listening to this conversation, please, please share it and, and send them our way. Okay? Thank you so much. Thank you, Jack. It was a pleasure. I hope I can, I can see you soon again. Yes. I, saw you, I saw you last time in Cancun. Um, you know, a few months ago, I hope I can see you again in, in a nice place. And maybe we, at that time, we'll have a beer and, and think about uh, all the good things that came out of, of this situation. For now, it's virtual abrazos. Virtual abrazos. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye, Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Yeah, Bye-bye.